the history of personal computing. History, history, history of personal computing. The history of personal computing. Hello, retro computer fans, and welcome back to a new incarnation of the History of Personal Computing podcast. This edition of HOPC is a leaner and shorter version of our previous show. Here, we'll meet together every other week and continue our look at vintage personal computing by looking at eBay auctions. We'll also take a quick look at recent news in the hobby, plus we'll also check out a few extra random old computer auctions on each show. So, let's get to it by first introducing ourselves again. I'm your host, David Grealish, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Salzman. Hey, Jeff. Hey, David. How's it going? Long time Good. here. Glad to be back. Uh, I'm, I know I'm glad to be back. I'm yeah, me too. too. <laughs> I missed it. So uh, well, we looked we it up. that summer off, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so the last show we did was, uh, you know, mid-May or so, um, right after VCF 3. Yeah, there was a few of our listeners that left some email. Or actually, you know, they asked questions. I guess they were almost ready to write our obituary. Yeah. Uh, but we owed them uh, to come back. Hopefully, they'll remember us. Um, we couldn't do it. Our picture still looks the same. We couldn't do it. I tried to drive the stake through the heart. Oh. It wouldn't go through. And I'm putting, I put the podcast on Google Play. They are now opening up for podcasts. Okay. So as cool. soon as they approve... You know, because you know how all those dirty words and stuff we put in. Um, yeah. Um, as soon as they approve it, will be released on Google Play. So just like iTunes for the iPhone and, and, and iPod, Google Play will now have um, integrated podcasting. And so speaking of that, this is now, so basically this is now the clean version of the podcast. And then Jeff is going to be doing the really dirty version of the yes, podcast. Yes, rated, rated X. The filthy, <laughs> filthy mouth, just... <laughs> no anyway yeah but it, just in case anybody asks or is thinking right now um yeah this this ebay show is is a light version we're actually coming back i guess in a bigger force we're going to have this along with uh we're going to the meteor, down the, meteor the, one. the big show down to maybe once a month uh so getting into details and that's the one i'll most likely be doing myself or i'll be pulling in co-hosts every once in a while yeah, and i'll do one every so often too I'm sorry. And of course, I'll join in once in a while too. Oh, absolutely. When I when I feel like letting you in, or you <laughs> yeah, pay enough right. money, you'll you'll be uh, welcome back aboard. But we're going to slow down the the pace of the um, the full focus on a single machine episodes, and just do a lot of this uh, informal discussion with the eBay shows uh, more often. So have fun. Hopefully, you'll will be in your ear for an awful long time. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and I, you know, we have talked over the period of the last few months. And um, and so we kind of came up with this idea. And uh, I think it's a good one. I think my favorite part has always been the the auctions. Not to say I don't dislike the other parts. But um, so now this show, we're going to look at just mostly stick with the auctions. <laughs> yeah, well, you, that way you keep people abreast of, you know, what the pricing is, how it's going. And then in the future, when they're listening to this as an archive, um, the way it was. Was it more expensive back then or cheaper back then? Should you have bought it earlier or not? 
And we are going to include just just as appropriate a little bit of news. We'll talk about maybe what we've been up to, and uh, and like a little bit of news. So there's no what have real you been doing. Yeah. So today we'll we'll talk about a little bit of what we've been doing. There's no real big breaking vintage computing news out there. But I was recently on the Retro Computing Roundtable, which um, I founded and created um, five years ago. So it just celebrated its fifth anniversary, and so I was invited on to host it. So not just be on it, but I actually hosted it. And I just checked the so recording Thursday night. The show is going to come out tomorrow night, the 30th of October. So hopefully it'll post maybe then, or it will Five certainly. Five years. Wow. That is a long time. Yeah. I feel older. And it's in kindergarten already. <laughs> and you know, and was it, I think it was show 117 or around there, but that's, that's how many shows it's done. So wow. yes, yeah, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, my idea, my idea. <laughs> So what, you're going to let it go for a little while, then you're going to come back yeah. and buy out all the stock and then take over just like uh, Steve Jobs did with Apple? De demand it back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so I, I hosted that. And um, so so check that out since it comes out. Um, I also, I recently wrote an article about, and a review about the new Steve Jobs film. And I so, read that. Oh, thanks. And so I, I talk about it. We talk about it a little bit in that podcast. So go ahead. What do you think? I, you know, I didn't see the movie, so I can only go by what I read. Yeah. But it does make sense what you were talking about. Um, and, and I know how you are about Apple history and stuff, and you're a real stickler for points. Well, any history, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gave the movie props for what it is, an entertaining movie. Yeah. Uh, but I believe, I can honestly believe that your points without watching the movie myself, and I will eventually. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll probably just wait till it comes on to rental. Um, that what you said about the movie yeah they're they're taking creative license for a lot of things and they're trying to tell a story and anybody in the know knows that it's wrong but uh yeah i don't know it, it could probably be a drinking game you know yeah take take a shot every time it deviates from the book they said it was based on right well and also just you know obviously the book is supposed to be at least very close to the truth and um but you know i was entertained it, by the book i, I really did like yeah. the book and and I won't you know spoil my own review, but but I can say you know I do recommend seeing the movie that it was an enjoyable, thought provoking film, um, and you know if you do know the story pretty well, then it, maybe that'll be kind of fun too. The to that that stuff sort of jumps out at you. <laughs> What's wrong? So whoops, whoops. basically, <laughs> so basically, it's a good movie to see that gives you an entertaining view of Apple history or Steve Jobs history. Yeah, as far as yeah, I'll, let's leave it at that. Okay. So, um, oh, and just lastly, I'll say, uh, I'm not sure if it had been released on Apple Insider when I did Retro Computing Podcast or not, but um, Retro Computing Roundtable Podcast. But it took me like a week. I kept trying to see if I can get like a major site to run it. So ultimately, AppleInsider.com ran it, which was nice. And uh, and the, But they waited till Sunday evening, so last Sunday evening, to run it. And then, I'm not kidding. Uh, oops. God, I'm being really knocked the earbuds out of my ears here. I um, it like it wasn't up for ten minutes, and then all the other sites started releasing their news about it bombs. Steve Jobs bombs it, and it just buried mine. You got buried. Oh wow. Okay. Which I'm sure it still got some good views, and, and it was nice for it to go up on a major site. So I'm happy about it. But it's just so like, oh man, <laughs> it just got put up there. You work you work hard to get it done sooner, and then it just yeah. So That's, tell us about uh, your big news. My big news. Well, let's see. Um, over the summer, I attended this little thing called a uh, Vintage Computer Fest Wild West. No, Midwest. Uh -huh. 
Um, and it was a little bit of a Wild West, too. It was a little more, more informal than the other vintage computer festivals, the one I know and the one I heard of, um, the East and Southeast, respectively. And I actually had a table there. I, had, I actually had half a table because I came in at the last minute with a bunch of stuff that I had for sale. And um, the, um, the guy who runs it, I only know his first name, Jason, um, but he lives in the area, which is why the venue is in the area. Right. And he was able to give me a table that somebody else wasn't showing up for, but then it turns out they did show up. So we were kind of like, we had this huge four foot round table and we were each halves on it. So I had huh. a bunch of Commodore stuff I was selling. I, I sold about 25% of it. Um, even helped sell some stuff to get somebody started with their own vintage computer. Some, um, some young teenager who was, uh, uh, she was wheelchair bound, but she always had this fascination to have an old computer. So she bought a Commodore 64 for somewhere, bought a disk drive for me, um, and got her all set up. And hopefully she's having fun with that. You know, she bought that at the last moments of the show. Um, but while I was there, I was invited to, uh, Jason's house along with a bunch of other people, uh, to see his massive collection. I mean, we're talking, he really? has a huge basement Wow! and it looks like a warehouse, uh, one person might say it's junky, and it, it is tight fit, but it's rows and rows and shelves and shelves full of anything and everything. Uh, he'll have a mainframe sitting on the floor, but, it, you know, down one aisle, he might have some boxed Atari stuff, boxed Commodore, boxed stuff you never heard of. Um, he has some stuff from overseas or from different countries. He has a, he had a, a I think it was a Turkish um, Atari 2600 or something like that. Um, it had, it was, the writing on it was in Turkish and I thought, okay, this is very, very interesting. Um, but he also had a, what his friends called a K-Pro tower and it's not a tower PC. It's basically a bunch of K-Pros stacked up in a Jenga tower. <laughs> so I was able to buy one from him. Uh, he sold me a K-Pro 10. Nice. With the uh, 10 meg hard drive. It's missing one of the key caps, but hey, I got a 3D printer. I can figure that out. Um, so I brought it home. You know, he showed me, he powered it up, it, it booted. Uh, he was a little concerned because I actually had data on it, but he just put it back together and, you know, I, I paid him the bucks and, and, and then I brought it home with me. I take it home. It doesn't power up right, it just has the boot screen. And so I just kind of wrapped the sides with my fingers and it, the hard drive kicked in and it started booting up. It's got the old MFM hard drive, so who knows how long it'll last. Probably forever. Him, yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. It just needs a little kick to get started. Well, I, I remember what he said about it having data, so I found out how to hook it up to a PC and do uh, transfers. It has a terminal program installed on it, along with DBase and WordStar and a bunch of files. And I uh, managed to archive the whole disk and send him a zip file with all the the uh, the files that were on it, it just Neat. how to do it was the trick. Yeah, I didn't. This is my first CPM, true CPM only machine. I never had one, so now I have one. Uh, I used the Commodore One Twenty Eight CPM, which I believe is pretty much the same, but it's not a true CPM machine. And then I I learned, or actually I remembered how you have user. Uh -oh. You're gonna get you're gonna get letters on that one. <laughs> Actually, the one twenty eight yeah. is a true CPM machine, isn't okay. it? I know what you mean. I never used it as much as yeah. I did in this. this it it wasn't designed to run CPM, and I think that's fair. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that one twenty eight. I'm not disparaging the one twenty eight CPM mode. I yeah, just, I know. I know. You know, it's it's just 
you, you can never assume that, but this is a true CPM machine. So when I, I remember fully, there was full user time folders, running. like user zero through user 15, and there was an A and B drive on the hard drive. I just downloaded and transferred an archive, uh, an arc.com file, and I just archived each user folder in each drive into like you know, drive a user zero, a zero dot arc. And I just then transferred the ARC files to a PC and then put them all together. So I back up the whole hard drive by archiving each of the folders and drives. So he was happy to get that. And I'm still looking for a K-Pro emulator that I can use to run those files on. Well, let me ask you, did you, uh, do you do this? Like, so when you got that and then you, you finally got it up and running, do you like leave it on for an extended amount of time? I haven't when I got it because I had to set it up in the uh, dining room on the but, dining room table, yeah, and it's kind of big. Which I don't I know if that's a good thing to do or not, frankly. Well, but. I think for the MFM hard drive, if it's going to have problems starting up, you don't want it. When's that day going to come when it just seizes up permanently? Yeah. But then again, the other thing is when it's hot and things expand, you know, could it seize up because it's hot? But uh, yeah. I had it running when I was doing the copies and stuff, I had it running for a good six or seven hours as I was getting back and forth to Cause it takes forever to archive at one megahertz. Um, yeah, so if it ran that long, it's going to probably keep running. Or was it 4 megahertz? I forget. Um, I, I should go back and look at one of our shows about the K-Pro and find out. Um, and it, I just had to go back and forth. I had it set up in the basement on one of my pinball machines. I just hope it didn't, you know, I was hoping it wouldn't bust through the glass. And uh, so I had it going for six or seven hours, and it seemed to be no worse for wear. I turned it off, went back the next day, to, you know, back up a few more of the user folders and you know still had to kind of tap it on the side but uh but that's a great cpm machine to have i mean that's definitely sort of the i don't know the the all-in-one yeah the de facto standard of storage all 10 meg of it um i've had a couple of them over the years and then the last couple i had they had diskette disk drive problems and and other things that i couldn't really fix i ended up giving them away so, and like the last one I had, I think, um, do you remember I got one like not too long ago? I think while we were doing our show, doing the yeah, show. You did mention one and then you, I, then I remember you saying that you had to basically get rid of them for whatever reason. Give it away to somebody at the, um, the AHCS, you know, the local club here. Somebody has more time to play with it maybe. All right. Well, so moving on then. Um, yes. This, we'll do the regular show. So on today's show. We're, um, we're still in the early 1980s, and we're looking at the arrival of the IBM PC in 1981. Uh, instead of being like tour guides at a museum, here we're like two collectors, and we're looking at things from that vantage point. So, uh, you know, the IBM PC was obviously very significant in, in that it introduced, you know, the, the standard, the de facto standard at first, and then pretty much the standard of personal computing by, what would you say, 83 even, you know, it only yeah. took it a couple of years to pretty much mostly kill off CPM and, and dominate the business computing world. It was a dull, world. boring machine, but it, it had the right stuff at the right time. Right. You know, it established um, what was called PC-DOS originally, but then MS-DOS, we all came to know it by. And, um, and I do know that it represented um, a first for IBM, which was a big, you know, big company, been around for a long time, hadn't really competed in the personal computing marketplace too much. Um, but they they set up an office in Boca Raton, and I believe, um, you know, it only took them like a year, which was like craziness for such a big company. 
and they actually used off-the-shelf parts to create the IBM PC versus um, all built in-house like they typically did. And that was a risk. Yeah. Risk, it almost got them, too. But, you know, they survived for the most part. They were big enough to survive. So that original model was called the 5150, and it was introduced in August of 1981. And so... For t- on, you know, for today, what we did in looking at eBay is we pretty much opened it up where, you know, because these things are a lot, getting a lot harder to find now. So try to find either original PC or we took it as far as an XT or an AT, which were the successors and sort of, but are I definitely the, the same line. With a yeah. 10 meg hard drive. And if I'm not mistaken, the XT was like the, you know, sort of the Ford Model T of IBM PCs there for a while. There was just, you know, tons of those things everywhere. Yeah, boring beige box. So take it away. Tell, tell us what you found on eBay. On eBay, okay. What I found, the first item, I I, I went off the beaten path slightly. Um, I'm going to do my second link first. Um, I found a portable IBM 5155, oh, which okay. is basically what you would find in the desktop 5150. Um Hang on, uh, my virus checker's telling me I can hide what I'm doing online if I just <laughs> click this button. Um, so this is an on-one version of what you would normally get as a desktop version. Uh, pretty much the same specs and the same size keyboard. Yeah. Uh, and a nice amber screen. And I picked this one because it would be nice to have one of these because of it being an all-in-one. Now I'm slowly growing my all-in-one computer stuff. You know, the K-Pro, the Commodore 128. Uh, what other one do I have? And, you know, I just real quick, what's funny to mention is that just trying to acquire one of those original keyboards, what what was that called, that original model keyboard? The Model M or the Model F? I guess you tell me. Model what... F, I think, was the 10 uh, key, ten function key. The Model M was the AT style one. Oh, okay. Well, of course, so this is the original style. But still, just finding one of those keyboards could cost you up to 100 bucks if it worked. Yeah, I'm holding on to mine. <laughs> I so... have... I have the 10 function key one. So I'm saying um, this portable, you got the whole computer with a keyboard for not yeah, much more than that. This one, it, the winning bid was 122.50 and and it was in McLean, Virginia. Um, so for me it would have been 1478 shipping. You know, that would have been a good deal for me had I. Yeah. Uh, McLean Surplus is the company selling it, so I expect them to get stuff like this in from time to time. But this was a two floppy drive system, it even had a little storage spot for two or three of the floppies. I wonder if it suffered from the same thing that the Commodore SX-64 suffered from. When you put the disk in the storage unit, then you turn it on, and it gets bombarded with an instant shot of electromagnetism. Uh, maybe, unless they shielded that compartment. Hopefully, maybe they, they thought of that. Well, it yeah, probably was. Probably double shielded and with extra shielding on top of it. Um, That's a it nice like machine. The full-size uh, slots, 8-bit slots. Uh, this particular one looks like it has a, has a SCSI... Um, printer, serial, what other stuff? Just looks pretty Does big. Uh, I don't know. I'm seeing a very large uh, DB something on the back of one of the pictures. I'm wondering if that's SCSI. Hmm. Yeah, I see it. It's it's definitely not like the Mac SCSI anyway. I don't think no. so. I could be wrong. Unless it was for some something special. Maybe this was used in... You know, for controlling machinery. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's a nice machine, and for only it sold for one hundred twenty-two dollars. That's 
that is that a was a good deal. Price. Yeah, because you can't touch an original, you know, the equivalent fifty-one fifty for, you know, that works and has a keyboard and you know and everything else and cards in it and stuff. From what I found, nice it's find. Nineteen eighty-five works with included discs. Yeah, it doesn't say what the those cards are, but you know those cards might be worth money too. Whoever picked this up. All right. DOS 2.1. Yep. They're working strong there. All right. You have some too. Oh, no. Go into your second one. You want me to do my other yeah, one? Yeah. Okay. We'll my go. other one, I decided to move forward a few more years. And that is a, um, it's a, what they call it, new vintage, because, yeah, it's vintage, 1988 IBM PC, the 5170, which I believe was the original 286. Uh, AT machine. Uh, this one says new. It almost looks brand they're, new. They're saying like it's brand new. It's new old new, stock. But... Uh, looking at the pictures, there's, well, let's see, there's the back cover taped on in its own little bag, and it looks like it has the original foam that holds it in place. Yeah. And it's, and it's not yellow. It still has the drive card, the, the um, was it the storage card or whatever they put in the drive for transport. Yeah. Um, the Made in UK sticker. Oh, wait. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. It is crazy. Made in UK, but it, yeah, to, it's set for 230 volts, but it's switchable. So uh, 5170. Still has the keys for the case. Huh. They were taped onto the back. And he even shows the insides of it. Really clean. Really clean. Model M Hard keyboard drive, with it. Floppy. Yeah, the Model M. That's right. Um, 8 megahertz 286. Yep, the very first one. The original box for the keyboard and the manuals and all that. Wow. It's, it's all there. That one went for $520 in a small bidding war. 18 people. So That's, they're out there still. It's funny it says new vintage 1988. Which, um, you know, obviously... I don't think it's from 1988. I'm obviously I say, but um, well, I think they were still selling them in '88, weren't they? Were they? Because I think it was just after that they did the PS2s. No, because I worked at a. I actually worked at a computer store in 1987, okay. early 1987. I remember when they came out because we were selling XTs and the um, ATs, and then the PS2s arrived, and um, and also right after that, it was a big year because also right after that is when Apple then came out with the Macintosh 2. You know, the first, you know, desktop Mac with slots and color and all that. So I definitely remember that. And the 2GS came out, well, late 86, but all, all around that time. Well, so I say UK. I wonder if it was a different market over in the UK. Yeah. Or maybe it had some, I mean, maybe that's why it never got sold because it, it sat around at a computer store well after the PS2s came out. And then well, could be. who knows? And then it just got, it sat. But that's a cool find. 500 bucks? It's, um... I don't know. I, I guess for a, worth a real particular collector, that's probably worth it. It's not crazy. It's certainly not crazy money. I mean, I can go for one that's a little more beat up if I if I wanted a, a, an original IBM AT. Yeah. Um, I, I I know I bought a case like that once, uh, and I actually back in the late '80s, I actually gutted or cut some of the metal away on the inside, and I put my Mega 500 motherboard in there, and rerouted some of the stuff. So I had a big old AT case that held a Amiga 500. So that's the thing. I think I, I would rather go the other route, just get one that's in really good condition, works, and, you know, the box is cool, and it being 
new old stock and all, but I'm not that concerned about that. Even the fan doesn't have any dust in it. <laughs> First thing to check, right? It's like checking the teeth of a horse. You can tell if it's been worn down because of the amount of dust in the fan. Someone could have someone could have done a nice job of cleaning it up, though, and then calling and more it power that. to them. That's probably part of what you have to do to get a decent price <laughs> on eBay. So, all right. So the so you picked ones that were closed closed auctions, and we always did that. And I guess I forgot. <laughs> so, oh, no big deal. So I, I picked know, one that's people something to hope for. Yes, yeah, so I picked two that are still going, or I picked ones that are still going. So anyway, so I found a, an IBM fifty one fifty. It's called the vintage IBM fifty one fifty PC. It's got a, almost two days left. So so when the show airs, it's still active. Um, no bids. One hundred twenty nine dollars starting bid. Free expedited shipping from Olean, New York. That's really interesting that they chose to do that. Uh, Free for that price and that weight? Okay. Well, somebody from California will snag that up quick. So in some of the pictures, um, it looks a little dusty. Yeah, a little dirty there, but not bad. They don't show it. Oh, yeah, this is the one. They don't show it working. Um, they show the serial number on the back. So it's model 5151001. So it's the first one. Armonk, New York. Um, let's see, what does it say? I picked this unit from a school sale. I couldn't find the power cord, so it's being sold as is. Shipping US only, payment is due after auction. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So so I guess they don't realize that you could go and buy any generic computer power cord and plug it in. And they're showing like the, it's got the female cord and yeah, the- Yeah, the monitor cord that goes into the back yeah. of the power supply. So it doesn't have a keyboard. So no. that's- hey, You can find an older, one of those yeah. switchable ATXT keyboards too. But so again, um, for, but you know, I don't know if I'd buy it, not know if it works or not. Yeah, that would so, be tough. So maybe somebody will write in. So and this has person. the hard drive. Is that what it is? Maybe I'll write them and say that. So go get a power cord. No questions. Okay, so it has two floppies. There's no hard drive. Yeah. Well, you know, none of the 5150s had internal hard drives. Well, I guess people added them later. 5160s had, had it, right? Yeah, because also I, I had thought about yeah. um, choosing. Some of our listeners can do this. Do a search for um, just IBM PC, and you'll find it. There's a couple of the what are called hard drive chassis on eBay too, and they the case looks like the computer, but all it is is a hard drive, and you so a company would have to or a person would have had to bought one of those and plugged it in. You know what? That might have been what that connector is on that other AT. Just maybe. I see what you mean. Because yeah, and I actually but the first IBM PC original one I had way back when I started collecting in like '94 it. I had the two chassis like that and a hard drive. So yeah, that could be it then. Yeah. That for, for the I kind of, now I think about it, I kind of think that connector was much more, what looked more like a big, like a big giant Centronics or something though. Yeah. would have to, if they're, if they're basically going to duplicate um, the MFM connectivity, they're going to need a lot of pins for it. So that, that makes sense. So here's a real nice one. So here's the other one I found. It says upgraded IBM PC slash AT completely. Oh, I'm sorry, computer previously running Xenix 386. Um, let's see what else does it say. This IBM PC AT model 5170 used to boot into Xenix 386 many years ago. Well, how did it do that? Did it have a 386? Oh, it's got an Intel inboard AT386 in it. It has a, a card. Yeah, Intel yeah, above okay. board plus eight. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. It's like a Bridgeboard card on the Amiga that, uh, yeah, they just, yeah, that's right. They had 386 upgrades that were on a card. I remember seeing some old uh, PC, what was it PC, Mag, no, was it PC Magazine? Some so, really old, old magazines that 
you would have all those business ads for business computing. Mm-hmm. Um, computer shopper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where you would find a card like that advertised. Yeah, this thing's been moved and butchered and assembled many different ways. It's got the uh, dual floppies and the single half-height drive, the five and a quarter and three and a half. You know, I actually got one yeah. of those myself in a Linux box. Well, someone got their mileage out of it, and it yes, probably it was probably you know, it was a, it wasn't the greatest 386 when they upgraded it, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. Yeah, because I had to go through that eight bit bus or no, a sixteen bit bus. Yeah. To, yeah. But it had its own onboard memory, so basically, the whole system, the whole uh, case was just its, uh, like docking station, for yeah. that card. But it is pretty interesting, and its current bid is twenty fifty right now. With... Well, it says that it's in good shape um, cosmetically, but it it doesn't work. So it gets okay. clicking noises, no display, no noises other than the fan on the power supply. So, noises. huh? I wonder if he ever considered pulling out the 386 board to do anything. Yeah. So, you know, if you could pick it up cheap enough, it'd be worth having as a project for sure. If you can get it less than $100. It's down in Frisco, Texas. So it's 4140 for shipping for me. Yeah, 31 to me. Yeah, if somebody wants to get into all this stuff, I bet you, let's see, four bids, 2050. We can almost take bets on how high this is going to go. Um, I'm guessing probably one and a quarter. Yeah, I'd say somewhere around a hundred bucks. It and would really behoove the person to take stuff out of it and just try to get it the power up. That or get a lot more money for to it. Sell like the three eighty six card actually works, but nothing else does. Yeah, you can make money off of that stuff. And people collect those those odd boards that you know they didn't sell very much. So did you find? Um, so when I did my searches. Um, and I was looking for active auctions, so I guess you were looking for closed ones. But there, there's... I just force a habit for me. No, no, that's fine. There's, but there's, there's not a lot on there, but there are some. Just off the top of my head, I'm going to say, because again, I was just doing a search for IBM PC. So that brought up, you know, ATs and XTs and some like looking generics. People were also interested in a section at the bottom. See, somebody has a K-Pro 2 portable computer for $90. $90. Yeah, they're pretty common. Wonder why it didn't sell. But so everyone, take a look. There's not a ton of ton of these machines, uh, real no, IBM not PCs, the X, not the 5150s or 60s or even the 70s for that matter. But you can find them fairly regularly on eBay still. The problem is people they, they were tossed out for the most part. Yeah. When people didn't think anything of them, well, that I guess you can find it. You know, with some like old Apple IIs were kind of like that, especially the enhanced ones. Uh, it's harder to find an enhanced Apple II. All of them are like that. They. They were the ones that were mostly bought by schools, but then those are the ones that the schools got rid of. Yeah. You know, they didn't really sell it. I got a bunch of Mac LC2s from a school here. That's oh, three did? of them. And every single one of them uh, puts a, you know, scores the magnetic media on the floppy disk. Oh. Uh, Runs a nice track right through it. And I don't know why. Well, now we're going to move into additional auctions. So pretty much for yes. right now, seeing how the show goes, we're sticking to like two, about like five auctions each. So this time we just both found two for the, the featured machine. So so go ahead with uh, so your three okay. of additional ones. The three I picked this time, and maybe I'm just uh, burning the list up real quick, are, are some 
uh, computers that I actually I own myself, but I wanted to see what they're going for on eBay. That's good. So my first one is a Coleco Atom. I do own a Coleco Atom, but it has a problem. Um, mm. I have to fix it. And with the Coleco Atom, the power supply is in the printer. Yep. And this particular Atom, I don't think has the printer. Oh, it looks like somebody used their own power supply in this auction. There's a white oh yeah look at that super metallic box and i could probably do that with mine too um for for my atom oh someone built one about as yellowed as you know the keys on these go can either go all dark yellow it looks like field corn uh some light colored (laughs) some dark colors some mid colors mine did the same thing i don't have any tapes for mine but i saw in the auctions i can probably easily get one if i wanted to um, but the problem is I need to fix mine and I found a repair guide. Somebody transcribed, um, and put it on online, but they only did half the book and mm-hmm. not the other half. <laughs> so the other half, they just have the table of contents for it, but they never transcribed it. And that's the site I need. The only other thing I found was schematics and I just don't have time to root, just go buy schematics and try to fix my atom. So eh, maybe one of these days I'll build myself an external power supply and at least get it hooked up and play Buck Rogers or something on it. And um, but, I've had an atom before. It was a long time ago, but um, just by the way, the, the printer that came with it was a daisy wheel. Yeah. So it was a letter quality printer, which is good, but obviously that has its drawbacks, no graphics and stuff. And um, if I remember correctly, so there's, this is a Coleco, this is a Clico Atom, but there is also a, an add-on Clico Atom. So if you already had a Clico Vision, you could yes. buy the the add-on version and make it into a Clico Atom. It's probably more rare. Okay. Because uh, I guess people, I don't know. I, I I figured it would come up in the auctions if anybody has one or the other. And the ones I've seen were these full computers that don't plug into yeah. uh, the Clico. But you're right. They they do have an add-on for the Clico Vision itself. Um Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't worth the price. Maybe it's just better right. to buy the whole. But this one w- went for two hundred dollars in eight bids, and did he say it works? Um, everything works just as it did new, except for that power supply. Uh, that's uh, obviously a power supply safety enclosure cut down on the footprint. Okay, no one likes the the noisy atom printer. <laughs> that's what the guy says. In but the, uh, all, all printers are noisy. They, or especially the, the original nine pin dot matrix and then da- all yeah, of them. You, you can make better music with a nine pin dot matrix with those hacks than you can with a daisy. <laughs> but $200, not too bad. I, you know, I picked this one cause I was gauging the price. If I ever wanted to sell mine, I do know that if I want 200 bucks for it, it should work. I think it probably got better money. Um, not really having looked at a lot of the other ones, but I think it probably did well because of, uh, cause they had that, that uh, special power supply with it. Yeah, the, the voltages are prob- probably very similar to any other computer, plus 5, minus 5, plus 12, maybe negative 12. Um, and you could probably take an old PC power supply and do the same thing, just rewire it, put in a new box. Because um, I used, used to use an old PC power supply to power an Amiga 500. Same voltages, I just had to cut the cord and rewire it to a PC power supply. Works just fine. Yeah, I've seen that before. Now, I can't believe your, clunky, next, but it, you know, works. your next one here. My next one. Wow. Yes, I have one of these too, and it's box. And if I turn my head just right, I can see it. Um, I just don't want to pull the plug off my microphone here. I had to find a. I had to get a shorter USB cord for my microphone because I can't find my long one. Uh, Tommy Tutor. Um, this is about how I have mine, except maybe my stuff isn't in little bags. 
but it's the it's boxed with a Tomy Tutor, your Tomy Tutor computer. That's actually like a flip up book. You you stand it up tent style, and then you flip the pages, and you can you know practice learning your Tomy Tutor computer when it's hooked up to your TV. And then it looks like they have the RF cable and the RF switch box. Well, you know, I was sitting here because I was going wow because I thought it sold for that, which I know you'll you'll get to here. So it has it hasn't sold. It so hasn't I was going, sold. oh my god, it sold for that much money. But there's not too many Tomy tutors that looked in nice nice condition for the sake of you know this the show for when people were looking at it. But you yeah. can look around. I, I don't know if it's eBay. Always I think that sold. that seems a little extreme though. It is. Uh, offhand, I think it'll probably be worth maybe seventy to a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, they're asking just sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, as a oh, buy it now. The other one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're looking at you're looking at the, a different oh, one first. Oh, yeah. The, the which one? The JR two hundred U. No, no, the Tommy yeah. Tudor. Okay, the one I linked to. Am I linking to the wrong one? Oh, I'm sorry. I I clicked on that. Yeah, I clicked on that one instead of scrolling down. Sorry about okay. that. Okay, no. So I'm in the right one now. All right. Three hundred twenty-nine dollars. Okay. Sorry. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, eBay's doing that now. They're throwing stuff at the top of the completed auctions. But yeah, that that uh, Tommy Tutor. Yeah, or best offer. I don't think they'll like the. Best yeah, offer. that's crazy. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> go back to yours. Because it's super rare. I haven't seen anybody else with them. Anyway, I'm about done with the, the Tutor. It's the Tomy Tutor is, um, it works off of hardware similar to the TI-99, but it's not 100%. It has the same CPU, and I think it has the same graphics uh, chip, but everything else is slightly different. You could probably use similar basic commands. I haven't had mine out of its box in years. I should at least plug it in, turn on for a little while, so the capacitors don't go bad. Um, but... It, it is a fun machine to play with. I think I got mine for about 10 bucks at a, um, you know, back in the late 90s when this stuff was selling really cheap uh, at, at um, Goodwill, I believe I got it. And, yeah, so I, I, I took it out of its box not too long ago just to, because I was actually consider, considering selling it at the VCF Midwest, but I decided not to. So I, I, I wouldn't have had room to actually display it for what it is. And I may just reserve it for next year at the VCF East and actually have a display with it. And I don't think it's insulting to sort of describe it as, um, it, I think it was marketed, you know, Tommy made toys. And yes. so it was sort of a toy computer. And, um, you know, at the same time, if you do searches that, you know, they were, they had a whole line of different robot toys, like the Omnibot, um, right? Different Omnibots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and they also have handheld games. Uh, a lot of the Tommy. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the little baseball games that were electromechanical. Yep. And I have a Tomy. Um, it's Tomy Tronic Slimline Speedway right here. It's a little LCD race car game um, that you can hear it running now. I... <laughs> that's that's the sound of the engine on it. It's a little LCD game. It looks like a calculator. It comes in a nice little vinyl billfold. Um, but yeah, they made all sorts of stuff. Uh, they they just ran the market any way they can, anywhere they think they can wedge in, make some money off of you know, capitalize off of something, including eight bit personal computers. Even though this was a sixteen bit machine, um, they they tried to wedge in there. I think the Tomy Tutor, they had a Japanese version that was a little more popular in Japan. Okay, I guess your next one's sort of. 
sort yeah, of related to bound up in my USB cables here. Hang on. All right. My next one. And, and I have one of these two, um, is the Panasonic, another company that made a lot of electronic stuff, but needed to get into that market to just at least get their feet wet. Yeah. Now, this one's being, or was being sold by Goodwill. Now, I got mine as part of that huge Commodore collection I got from somebody one day. Uh, they just happened oh. to have this. It's in mint condition. It was used, but it was in mint condition, still is in mint condition. even has a couple, a couple of the games are still sealed in their plastic wrap. You know, I, I pulled a Carrington Vanston with one of them once, you know, opened it right on the air. Yeah. Um, but this is its own thing. Um, this is just an 8-bit computer. They just tried to do their own thing. It, it's not like it's not MSX compatible or anything else. It yeah. was their own idea. And like the, the Tomy Tutor, it has the chiclet-style keyboard. Um, mine actually has um, a few of the extra cables, like the, I think it's got an RGB cable. Uh, so it'll hook up to a, a composite, not a composite, um, a CGA uh, RGB, uh, like the uh, NTSC uh, scan rate monitors, like the old IBM uh, monitor, not the VGA. It won't work on VGA, wrong scan rate. I never hooked it up to anything other than a television uh, through the composite side to at least power it up. And just like the Tomy Tutor, it's neat to play with. There's no real market of games. There are games. I didn't open them all up but it has external expansion um it has it uses like um one of those sdc connectors for the printer and external expansion and there's apparently an rs-232 capability but i know mine doesn't have that did it come with basic it has built-in basic okay i would have thought so because you can do stuff with it Uh, it came of course with the user's guide now the guy who owned this before me he bought the service manual for it so i have a full um probably 50 to 70 page service manual with complete fold-out schematics for it. Nice. I think somebody had already long since uh, um, had one of those and put them online as PDF files, but it's still, it, it's still a neat piece. And I, it's one of those ones that if I had my own little museum, I would, you know, set it up in, you know, behind glass. <laughs> well, maybe I should turn my office into a little museum, take all the, you should, you should make your whole house into a museum. Useless computer books off the shelf and put these on. <laughs> Oh, my house. No, I won't be able to do it in my house. We just took up a lot of space recently. We bought a um, a jukebox. Oh, nice. 1952. Oh, that's right. I saw you tweeted about that. Yep. 1952 AMI D80. It's one of the first ones they made that plays 45 RPMs in mono. But yeah, tube amplifier. It, it's nice. It's a uh, and it works because you you put like a little video on Twitter, yes. didn't you? Yeah, it, it works. It had a few problems shortly after that, but I got them taken care of. It was uh, mechanical leaf switch was causing it to anytime you wanted to play the B side records, it would be a little off track when it went to pick it up. It would either drop it, or uh, if it did work when it went to put it back, it forced it back into the slot a little off center and actually broke the record. Uh, Those things are strong. Yeah. Yeah. Mechanical arm. I don't think you, you, you said, and if you don't want to on the air, but how how much do you pay for it? I paid, well, it's, it was originally marked the first day of the, um, the York game room show. That was a couple weeks ago. That's where I got it. The big pinball show that comes here once. Or did you say, did you say in your tweet, maybe? Uh, I didn't say what it was, but the first day it was marked at 1800. Oh, the wow. The next day when we went back, it was marked at 1100. Yeah. But then 
this is something my wife and I tend to do at places like this. We'll go there and we'll talk amongst ourselves like we don't know for sure. That's how our conversations go back and forth. While, while the seller listens, the seller said, I have a little leeway on this. He said that early on in the conversation. So my wife and I are still back and forth about it. And he says, I'll tell you what, I can sell it to you for 600 so Wow. We got him to talk it down without any extra effort. It's just the way my wife and I talked back, back yeah. and forth. And then my wife says, you know, we don't need the records that you have in there. He says, okay, I'll take another hundred off. So we got it for 500 bucks, which wow. I believe was more than fair. Yeah. He made money off of it because he, he gets these, he refurbishes them. I don't think he had to put too much work into it. Uh, and now we have, and we put our own records in it. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, great. Especially that it works. It is. The, the amplifier, see the problem with these two based amplifiers, they really like to be driven high, but we have to keep the volume low. Yeah, because it actually can fill the house even on low volume. Hmm. So we're not really driving the tube amplifier as much. So some sounds tend to drop out slightly. It depends on the response of the uh, the input of the amplifier. And I may just upgrade the the ceramic cartridge and the tone arm too. Um, it's an original one, and I might just put something slightly better. You can put more modern ones in there. You just have to put a counterweight on the back side of the tone arm so it doesn't. Yeah, they were, the they were made needle. to, um, you know, fill up a, I'm going to say a small restaurant or something with people talking and everything. Yep. So this, you'd be able to hear it over it. Has one big 16 ohm speaker in it, but it also has the ability to hook up external speakers in any combination of mm -hmm. eight ohms or 16 ohms. There's a big chart on the back that says, if you have these speakers, wire it up this way. Yeah. So yeah, you would have remote speakers and it has the capability for remote selections, but I'd have to buy those boxes but it has all the junction ports for that. That's how they did it all. They just ran massive wires behind things to boxes that went to certain areas of the restaurant. So yeah, when I turn the volume up, it sounds really good. All right, so moving along. Yeah, so let's I, go I with my, uh, there. no, that's all right. With my uh, random machine. So this first one is related to the, the IBM PC because it's a generic clone. It's, uh, it's a vintage UBM personal computer. And of course I'm like, you know, really, UBM? And yes, it's UBM, personal computer. It looks, the case is reminiscent of an AT style. Um, let's see, what else does it say? It's got some, it's only at $29 with, uh, in Sunday, like late later evening, Sunday, mid-evening or something. But um, yeah, it looks clean. Let's see what it says. Thanks, and please let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> That's the description. Okay. That should be enough for anybody. <laughs> Everybody should know what this is. So this and this okay, is a, this a is an experienced seller too, and that's all they say about it. But go ahead. This is back when you could buy the AT style case third party, yeah, and then you slap on your own logo. So mom and pop shops were building mm -hmm. computers and selling them for. Oh, this probably sold brand new for maybe twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, the clone market. And I exploded. bet that was a steal. And I, I, it looks. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a two eighty six. But yeah, uh, it's showing it's, too many it, internal pictures of it. I mean, they're showing some, but I can't. Yeah, it says really made tell. in Taiwan system something, but it's hidden by one of the internal uh, cables. There are some pictures. It's in um, Richmond, Texas. It's forty dollars shipping to me in Atlanta. So, uh, but I think someone can probably pick this up, you know, for a deal, and that maybe the shipping. This is for standard shipping, so. UPS ground. So I guess it's about as cheap as it gets. Yeah, I mean, it's 48 35 But, you know, if you could pick this up for 50 bucks, even with the shipping, that wouldn't be too bad. But, you know, I, I don't understand people not just, you know, unless it, they know it doesn't work. 
Not least trying he's trying some of you and all these pictures, but I guess it's underneath the the drives. But they're stacking. Okay, this this case has the half height hard drive. Yeah, three and a half below the three and a half, and then below the five and a quarter. So they stack them all in the one area, mm -hmm. and that was pretty common at the time. I mean, so, and oh, and they have a, they have another one in another bay. Okay. Another half height Seagate ST251. If I recall, those were 20 megabyte. Hmm. Those are actually trying to buy those by themselves. They yeah. cost you a lot of money. They work. Yeah. They're, only, they're selling so, for a lot, even if in unknown condition. Yeah. So, like picking this up might be worth it just for that if you're trying to get a hard drive. Oh, that's true. I can upgrade the one in my K Pro. So, the next one I chose, I think, is very interesting, even though it needs some work, but eh, not too hard. To, to find these. So it's an Ampro Little Board Series 100 Bookshelf Z80 CPM computer. Have you ever heard of them, Ampro? Ampro sounds familiar, but I don't recall. I, I can't match it up with a computer. It um, I, I've just heard of this Little Board Series before. So it's a little, um, like oh, a this mini. this is neat, yeah. Yeah, bookshelf, desktop. Um, it's got it's six like days next, left. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a cube. It looks like a big power supply, really. But it's missing the yes. floppy drives. But again, you should be able to find those, at least one, probably fairly cheaply. But it's a Z80. 1984, and, um, according to the, uh, well, looking at the floppy disk, the system software. And the person even went as far as testing the, the voltages off of it. The LED about the power switch comes on, remains funct remaining functionality is unknown. But you know what? Just testing those things probably means it works. Yeah. The, I mean, what kind of output does this have? I guess you can hook it up to any CGA monitor. Uh, it's in South Carolina, so it's close to me. I wouldn't mind having it, but you know, I just don't have time. Or I, I don't I, see a video output on this thing. Uh, Did it connect with a terminal? Oh, you think so? A Z80, well, maybe. I yeah. see SCSI Plus disc parallel serial A and B. Oh, because you're looking at the back. A terminal would work. SCSI Plus. Yeah, you're right. I bet you I bet you did use a terminal with it. Looks like SCSI Plus isn't installed because there's a cap over the slot, but you know, cuz a lot of your early S100s and stuff, they uh they did it that way, of course. That That's... would make sense. I don't even see anything which may resemble like looking at the board. He has a whole picture of the board. That's pretty neat. I don't see anything here that resembles anything that would be video going out anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you just hook up a terminal or hook up any yeah, any P modern PC to it. There you go. Huh. CPM in a window. Which that that was kind of unusual for 83. But, you know, this is a machine. This probably was a machine that was marketed to a very specific market of people still using those computers. Because obviously by 1983, the, the IBM PC had Oh, yeah. So then you can load time. up a terminal program and still run your old software. Well, you didn't have clones, I guess, really in 83. But, you know, the IBM PC dominated. Still, there's your serial port, your RS-232. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and that's all it has to do is just get a, a um, terminal emulator and uh, the cable and go between them. And you heard it here first, whether we're right or wrong about it. <laughs> so my last one, because we've got to wrap up the show. We're trying to oh, keep yes. it in a time constraint. This is a very interesting, nice machine. Hopefully someone can pick it up cheap. It's a vintage 1989 Tandy 1100 FD Deskmate laptop computer. Radio Shack oh, Super, yeah. great vintage condition, five days less, 10 bucks with one bid, $21 based out of New York. So $20 shipping to me 14 in Georgia. Me, so. Yeah, it could be cheaper wherever you are. But it says, um, let's see, what's it say? 
scroll down. It has a bag. Uh, it comes with the laptop computer. Um, that's it, really. Deskmate software. Great vintage condition. Works. Starts up in seconds. The floppy drive will need to be repaired or replaced. Okay, there you go. As well, that's not right. It disc. had the ROM-based. Yep. Um, Deskmate. Yep. Yeah, which is cool. And it's got the um, an LCD display. Um, how do you describe that? That's probably a TFT display. It's Yeah, it's, it's that interesting um, style one. Um, I forget what they called those. It, it was... It was good at the time, but today, by today's standards, you just get that soft bluish green look to it. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know this at all, but just looking at it, I think that laptop was made by Zenith. For, I believe you're for right. Tandy. I think they did make a few for Tandy. Yeah, that so, style. It, Yeah, it does look like. In fact, that's when I saw the picture. I knew you said Tandy, but the first thing that came to mind was that's so Zenith. And yeah, but I mean, look at the power supply for it. This is a low power consumption, uh, mm -hmm. 286. So a really nice machine, a great... Uh, 286 or 386? Project. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably... It may even... Tell you the truth, I bet you well, it's it has, an X XT it has equivalent. A, well, I don't know if it's XT because it has the F12 and F11. That's typically um, 286 yeah. or better. Yeah, but at the time when they were coming out with like... You know, these sort of oh, things, yeah. the, the XT sort of the processor and all that. Because remember, it used like a mobile version of the, like an NEC mobile version of the 8086. I'm trying to think what that was called. And of course, I don't know this for sure, but. The NEC? I think so. I think I think a lot of these lower end sort of generic, you know, laptops at the time, <laughs> well into the late 80s, were using that, that sort of generic 8086, like, you know, up to 8 megahertz or something, maybe 12. But I don't know. I could be wrong. All right, I I have to cheat here, and I'll find out if this is a. All right, find out before we wrap up the show. It says 720k floppy, so it's it's uh, three and a half inch, six forty by two hundred. Runs the NEC V twenty oh. processor. Uh huh. Look at that. So whatever <laughs> that emulated. I like say, and I think it's the. Um, well, you know what? Let's look it up. Is it NEC V20? Megahertz, so it's it's probably... Oh, it is compatible. It's a pin-compatible 8088. Oh. So it is an XT. Okay. Running at 8 megahertz. Still, um, he doesn't show any ports. On well, it. technically, be a, technically like, it's like a generic... serial port interface, this would be a great little lightweight device yeah. to hook up to serial... Like, like the, buy this and then buy that Z80 or that CPM machine, and there you go. Yeah, and I think um, IBM actually contracted NEC to make processors. Um, I tried. There's a term for that, uh, um, second sourcing or whatever. You know, when they're when they started cranking out the PCs, I, I think um, you know they had Intel made them, and that they needed another manufacturer. You know, because they're starting to do a lot of volume, and NEC started making um, 8088s and 8086s and all that. That's right. The, the V30, I think, was the next step up for those. But good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So good first show coming back. First eBay show. I think I think uh, it's gonna be good. As long as we didn't blow all the winds out of our sails now. <laughs> nah. We'll come back with just uh, serial port cards for IBM. You know, next week we each have a different version of a serial port card. So we're planning on releasing show eBay show two, um, Friday November thirteenth, 
And uh, and you know what? I didn't update this part about what we'll be co- recovering. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Yes, we'll be covering the next sort of inline machine as well as random old machines. So definitely look for all our show notes at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. Look for our past shows. We've done a number of really excellent shows. Um, we also did a really great holiday show last year of holiday stories. So we yeah, we got to figure out how to top that. Well, and, and keep reminding people to listen to it even this year, even though it's from last year. Yeah, if you have any stories. Send them on on away. We'll make a version two of it. Yeah. We'll upgrade it. And uh, you can send your feedback to feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. We have an excellent Facebook page and a Twitter account, and we need to get those cranking out again, reviving them. People are actually liking the Facebook. We're getting more followers on Facebook. Yeah, I've been seeing that. Likes all the time. So please tell someone about us. Tell someone about the show. Like us on Facebook. Uh, Review us on iTunes. Tweet about us. Tweeter. (laughs) <laughs> Twitter so about us. Twitter. You've been out of it for a while. <laughs> Google Plus, whatever. So that's going to do it for this time. Remember, caveat emptor, and take care of your old computers. Bye now. Bye bye. Shows up in-